Welcome into another episode of the Greatest People You've Never Met podcast. Joining me today is Mr. Dan Valentine. Dan, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Dan is a, a fellow podcaster as well. Uh, we actually met at one of the live events. Yeah. Uh, Dan did his and then I did mine. And uh, But for those of you that don't know Dan, Dan, would you give an intro to the listeners of yourself? Well, I'm old, first <laughs> of all. So um, I'm even wearing fake hair today. And it's for, um, I actually had a little um, skin cancer. So the, oh, geez. my cursed commercial for all you um, young kids out there, be careful. Because yeah. the stuff I damaged on my head happened, um, it's from 30 years ago. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, was um, originally, originally from Pennsylvania, came out here as a young kid. And um, our, our family was um, very involved in uh, the automotive business. And so I, I kind of broke my teeth on that and um, they own the business. And so, and my brother owned it. And um, so I had the opportunity to not only work for a great person, but um, learn from him sure. what to do. And um, eventually I went to school off and on and got my degree, but, um, but I started um, owning businesses and um, starting and creating my in my forte is to take a business and um, I like my um, my sandboxes the grinding beginning part yeah. when you're fighting it once it gets up and running I really don't um, enjoy it as much sure. so I sell it off and I um, I'm on uh, number fourteen wow right now at sixty two congratulations and, um, yeah thank it's been a great ride and my model has really changed. Um, I used to do it for myself. I liked it. It was fun. Now I try to find uh, people and bring them in with me in the mix. Right. And then um, we talk about a succession plan in in one of our first meetings where they're going to take it over someday. Wow. And so it helps them and it helps me. And um, it's just been a great life. So my my, um, phrase in life is I want to live a life that I don't have to retire from. Yeah, no, I, I think that's uh, everybody's goal, right? Uh, especially like doing this pod and um, seeing so many people that have turned like just passions into careers, and then you don't ever want to quit, right? You just yeah work till the day you die, but it never feels like work. That's so exactly, it. I think that's pretty exciting. So, I mean, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the pod is. When you did the live event, yep. you had another gentleman on, and you guys were talking about culture. And obviously, as somebody who's purchased all these businesses and grown them and then sold them off, you've had to create several cultures. Yeah. And as a as a football coach, uh, you know, culture is important to me, right? Sure, and sure. so, but everybody builds it differently. And I know that there's a lot of people that listen to this that that perspective of how to build a culture, right? I think is so important, and I think. One of my favorite things about leadership is when you seek out to be a good leader, mm-hmm. you can identify bad leadership mm-hmm. really quick, right? Sure. Like, so you might still be like an understudy or, you know, have superiors and you're like, boy, this just isn't how you get people right. going, right? So as somebody who's who's ran this course of, of businesses, what has been kind of like the day one blueprint of going in and establishing the Dan Valentine culture and what let's start. What is your culture or is it different everywhere you go? Well, good questions. Um, I I think it's evolved a little bit. I I'm where I want to be in life right now. 
I didn't always start out that way. Right. Um, the day that I started serving other people was the day that um, my life really changed. And my businesses just exploded at that time. Uh, when I stopped thinking about ways I'm, that, you know, it's all about me. How am I going to do this? What's, what's going to benefit me? Right. And started thinking about how can I help other people? How can I, uh, I'm a big networker. Mm-hmm. So how can I support other people? Um, that's really where it changed. And, and um, so my culture really is, uh, if I would define it today, I'd say it's one of serving. It's um, no egos. I, um, I go into my office still today, every day. And um, I run a couple businesses out of that office. It's here local in, um, in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, I'm usually the first one in and the last one out. That's just by my choice. It doesn't, I don't demand that from my staff, but, but they, um, they come in a half hour or an hour early themselves. Right. I think it's just that example. Yep. And uh, if the trash needs taken out, if uh, the kitchen needs wiped down because somebody didn't do it, if we're out of, co- if we're out of coffee, um, I'm right there. Right. And they're right there. And it's really, uh, it creates a, a different type of, of um, relationship, employer, employee. You, you can't always take it down to, hey, I've got, we're great friends here. There, right. there has to be a leader. There has to be someone in charge. Yeah. But as you were talking about uh, earlier, th- there can be some abuse in that, yep. um, whether it's intended or not. Mm-hmm. And so um, following that path of, of serving others really, I think, would be as much as anything. You know, you could talk about honesty and integrity, and they're very, very important, too. Yeah. But um, that service to others really is what drives me. For sure. And especially, I mean, in any workplace, right? Like, I think probably in your role, and I'm just assuming here, never assume, make an ass out of me <laughs> and you, right? But um, if... Uh, when you come in, I'm sure there's a lot of skeptics, right? Like they do people, cause you have to come in and there's probably a reason you bought the business, right? Cause it was, I mean, maybe not failing, but it was probably in a spot where you saw potential in it. It wasn't at max potential. Otherwise you probably wouldn't have touched it. Right. Yeah. Well, these businesses were all startups. Okay. So I didn't really go in and buy them. Um, the the one one agency, well, an insurance agency that I have, that that's the exception of the rule. Okay, that was up and running. Okay, and um, I don't know if I did it for such the businesses went running well. I just felt that uh, in this example, um, my partner, he became my partner. He was um, several years older than me at the time. This is thirty years ago. And, um, and I went up to him and I, I had known him. I had run some, um, insurance business through his agency before. And I just said, you know what? You're new to town. Mm-hmm. You've got a great setup. You've got great employees, but I've got agents. I had an, a smaller agency myself. I said, I've got great insurance agency and these are wholesale. I should have started that way. These are, um, uh, we don't sell to the public, right? It's their wholesale insurance. My agent, my uh, customers are insurance agents that would normally sell to the public. Sure. Yeah. So um, I sat down with Floyd is his name and um, still a great friend. And I sat down to him and I said, you know what? I'm going to be your succession plan. And I said, I'll, I'll follow your lead. Um, we can change the name of my company and tuck it in under yours. I, I really didn't have any ego thing here to interfere with that. But I said, I think together we're going to work. Um, we're going to work better together. I always like to say you can see further standing on someone's shoulders. Right. So um, together, we really increased. We tripled the size of that business. And just as we had agreed on on a handshake deal, 
Um, actually, it was a little earlier than we planned. His wife took ill. But, um, but at the time when he was going to retire in his early 60s, um, he came to me and said, hey, it's, let's honor our plan and our wishes. And, and uh, are you ready to buy me out? And we sure. were. And so that's how it worked. It was a handshake deal and it worked. Yeah. Those, I mean, that's always good when it goes through. Yeah. So uh, sticking on the culture building process, I guess, for a little bit. When you when you do these startups and and you bring in the right people, mm-hmm. what's that process like for you to find the right people? Because I know that's so. Just like uh, for myself, like I was a head coach in Minnesota, right? So I'm going to tailor a lot of this to to football. Sure. And now I'm down here and I'm applying for assistant coach jobs. Mm-hmm. And as as important as it is for them to make sure that I fit them, right? Uh, it's also important for me to make sure that I fit them mm-hmm. right so um for instance i had an interview with one school and i had eight questions <laughs> and they let me get through three and then they stopped me because the other guy was there and i was like okay well then they did offer me a position and mm-hmm. i politely turned it down because that was like when i knew like hey you know this isn't for me so for you is there anything you know there's probably somebody going through a hiring process right now mm-hmm. is there anything for you like a tidbit that you could give to somebody obviously you don't want to fake yourself right because yeah. you got to be stay true to yourself but uh, help yourself in that hiring process for somebody or like something that you've noticed that you see a lot of candidates fail on yeah so um i've 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 come through a um you know what do i believe there's luck in in life uh i think there's created luck yes um i don't know if you can just sit back and wait for it to happen but i think if the opportunities are there for people that look for them yep and i um the people that i've had and brought into business with me are like-minded um they can take that, they can see the big picture. Yeah. They see what's happening. They see it's a good um, arrangement, a great opportunity for them and us and my, myself too. I try to get people that also that, um, that uh, are well-versed in whatever um, industry we're going to go into. Yeah. Whether it's um, some of them in the past has been a, a metal welding shop, a fabrication shop, um, a um, uh, car dealership, um, uh tow truck business that that one really didn't take a lot of skill to do it at all but right. to be able to, to to run in that um financial services um business and um and so if i can find somebody first of all that has the desire and the drive that wants to do that i think more than me saying um i don't ever look at it as like hey i'm going to hire someone i really go into it as almost as a partnership yeah and I come together and I say, look, if we work together, what could this look like? Yep. What could this look like in three years or five years? And, and is there an exit plan where we can make some money and turn around and be successful? So there's a lot of um, ground road to be laid. Yeah. But um, uh, it's funny because I, 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 Stephen's one of my partners at, at the car dealership we have currently also. And... Um, and he says, what's your next venture? And I say, you know what? I don't really know because um, I don't force it. Right. It happens. Well, I actually happen to know what my venture next venture is. So uh, it's going to be a brewery. Okay. It's going to be here in town. Very it's called, cool. Uh, Hellbox. And um, uh, I've got an individual who um, uh, is 19 years in the military. He was uh, EOD and um, got a great family and a great story. 
between his wife and his kids. He's got an autistic uh, 11-year-old uh, nonverbal autistic daughter. And just a great man, great father. And he's got a passion for um, brewing beer. And he's very good at it. Yeah. And he's getting degrees, or I'm not even sure what they're called, but certificates or certifications or something to be a brewmaster. And and um, he's working on that. And, and when he comes out uh, to Arizona in May, we're going to start looking for locations. And, and uh, we've gone down the road almost as far as we can before we pull the trigger. Sure. So, and that was another one that just kind of didn't fall in my lap again. Yeah. But as we're looking for opportunities and... Um, there's no correlation really between the businesses. They're all over the place. Yeah, but um, but they all have that same theme of serving other people. Right. So that that was kind of like my next question, just based off that. So, have any of the businesses been like? I mean, you said they kind of been all over the place, but have you enjoyed success in one marketplace and then looked for that same marketplace to? kind of get back into ever or is it because it kind of you know you said like from tow trucks to you know insurance to now a brewery you kind of all over the place so i guess what brings you into those marketplaces or like this is where i want to spend my time to grow something yeah so you're talking about um you know the kind of the trend there was auto parts right or the auto Auto industry right um so that was clearly you grew up in that world right um your family so it's kind of a I would assume, is that like a passion at first where, or something maybe you just knew and were comfortable with? So as you've grown, what's been the telltale to get into new markets? I think just the excitement of, of um, you know, I'm the guy that, I, as I mentioned, I'm trying to live a life I don't have to retire from, and I right. don't have any plans on retiring. Right. I, I'm very much ADHD. Yeah. And I, um, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. You know what? A lot of, for any of you listeners out there where their kids might be ADHD, let me tell you this. I am who I am today, a success, if I can call myself that humbly. Yeah. With, because of my ADHD. Absolutely. It it drives me. I get up at 3.30 in the morning. I get more done by noon than most people do all day. Right. And, um, and I love it and I love working. I love talking to people. Um, so that's one of the um thanks for letting me go off on that yeah absolutely no that that's um i think the drive just to find and do things i cannot sit home um and so i'm actively always looking for something to do yeah and and again if i can do it where i'm helping other people then um even better yeah absolutely i think also like uh, you touched on the adhd thing and one of my best friends and i matthew Witt, he coaches college football and we talk about that all the time is like you have to have some it's obviously like a little bit of a obsession but when you're into that and when you find yourself just like working on something for eight hours right you just get in that zone and you go no matter what that that's exactly what that is yeah and i remember when i was growing up i'm 31 like that's kind of like the first time it really like people were starting to be like oh they have adhd right yeah now it's i don't even hear of it anymore again right like when you were a kid it certainly wasn't a thing anybody talked about you were just a a, a active boy right whatever active yeah i I had active bones yeah exactly so (laughs) it's it's funny that you say that because i do i do really believe that a lot of successful people in any realm have that. I I do because you have to, and it's not, I mean, what's the actual attention deficit disorder, right? That's, I mean, I think it's, 
you're kind of get rid of the deficit. I think you're kind of locked in yeah. on one thing instead of a hundred things. So. Yeah. Well, the H in there is hyper hyperactivity, and I yeah. think that's what um, you know. A lot of us were taught be quiet, sit still, don't move. Right. You know, behave, good, be a good boy. Yeah. And you know what? It's um, that really doesn't fit well in my world. It doesn't mean you can be disruptive and cause problems, but, but I think we all are in, especially in a world today where we're all so into who we are and yeah. accepting us for who we are. Right. I think that it's uh, you know, maybe there's a better way to, to um, look at that too, as, as you said, not as a disability, but just as, Hey, it's a lifestyle to say, it's not a choice lifestyle, but it's for sure. Just how it works. Yeah, no, I, I believe in it 100%. Yeah. Um, you kind of, as something new, you said, you said there, uh, that's where my ADHD comes in. So I'll just pull things from where you, what you said, <laughs> and I'll bring it in. But what's it been like, you know, you've obviously been in business for, I mean, many years yeah. and you've dealt with obviously people of extremely different ages. Yeah. You've evolved. I can tell that because of who I, Martin, right? Like yeah. you have a, a guy that takes care of your yeah. social media and yeah. science, whatever. Right. Yeah. So what's that evolution been like for you? Not just in that space, but in the workplace dealing with people. As far as maybe having people to help when I bring them in and yeah, yeah well, uh, I knew right off the bat that I'm much better at, um, as a salesperson, as a talking person, um, I enjoy that and I like to live up to, um, things that I enjoy doing and things that I'm good at. Yeah. And I'll be the first to tell you the things that I'm not good at. Yeah. And so, uh, when I hire people, I always hire people that are better at things than I am. And that's not, that might sound funny, but it's not really hard for me to do. <laughs> There's right. a lot of people when it comes to clerical things, it's not that I can't do them. I just have no desire and no interest in them. And I find myself just daydreaming again. It, you got to get people that, that are um, into putting like reports together for you and then bring them to me and I can read the reports. I have no problem on that end of it, but um, utilize people, you know, we're, we're in this world together again. Right. If you utilize people for their strengths instead of pointing out their weaknesses, yeah. um, it, things can really happen. Things start to happen. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And I'm, probably people are going to be like, oh, my God, quit comparing this to football. But one of my <laughs> – I, I like football. Yeah, P.J. Fleck, he's a head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And um, obviously I have much respect for him, but – he is, I think, such an ultimate leader in today's age, right? With sure. the way he connects with young people and all his stuff. But one thing that sticks out with me that he's always said is he's always hired people smarter than him. Yeah. And when you look at those guys at elite levels, at high levels, they're not really coaching football. Yeah. He's just the CEO, yeah. right? He's got all these other things, boosters, all this other stuff going on. And that's exactly what you're saying. So it's just for me to tie it back into like, it's just business. Yeah. Like, and that's, and that is a successful business is not always hiring somebody with the flashiest degree or whatever, that's but right. hiring somebody that is actually going to fit and tailor themselves into what you're looking for. That's right. Exactly. As a matter of fact, my employees that I have, we don't, I use the term on your show here as employees because people relate to that, but we call everyone team members. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's those little things that when they add up, you, you have this culture that you're, that you're driving for. And, um, um, uh, even as, even as far as, um, pushing people's seats in their um, chairs in, you know, when they get up and, yeah. and, um, 
it's, it's just those little things that, that, that make it work. So, um, so no real team or, or no real um, uh, employees. Right. It's the team. We're all equal. And, um, and we we pull on our strong suits and, um, and it works. Yeah. You said, uh, uh, like just the doing the little things personally for you, what, how do you feel when people don't return their carts? Don't return their carts in yeah. the supermarket? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it, it doesn't bother me. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I often will push almost every time. If there's a cart out in the su- supermarket parking lot, I push it up anyway so, yeah. and do it. I guess the um, we mentioned COVID a little bit. I don't want to go down that road unless you're going there. Right? <laughs> but um, it's I look at COVID as I hope it's on its way out, if not gone. Right. So, so at least it's not the topic I want to talk about. All For the time. sure. So with the COVID though, you know, I do have this, I think it's inbreded in us or entrenched in us now where I'm like, Hey, wash your hands or be careful with what you're touching. But I don't know that the cart being in the parking lot is going to be any dirtier than the park than the one sitting right out front of the store. Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> I have had a really good talk uh, with Ross Holly on here and Ross runs a, a, a free recruiting service out of Dallas for kids to go. They've now tailored it. They've rebranded to just baseball players, but mm-hmm. before it was for anybody who wanted to use their service. But uh-huh. um, we had a big talk about like the cart thing and it's uh, I know some people find it funny. Like there's videos out there of like the cart and guy right but i truly believe like that is the telltale sign of a person like you go to fries there's a million corrals right there's yeah. about one every seven car stalls yeah and if you can't walk at that seven car stalls to put it away it's just it's just one of those little things for me and i think it's true like the pushing the chairs in like there's so many little things tells in how people sure. act and how they respond and i think it It's also interesting because I think those things lead into how they respond to bigger situations. You've probably seen that, right? So um, what's, uh, I guess you you talked a lot about sales. Um, As a salesperson, what's your way of navigating that rejection, right? You've seen, you've done sales in a lot of different worlds, right? Like right now I'm in industrial supplies. That's kind of been my home. I've worked for Fastenal for a long time. Now I'm with a welding supply company out here. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate those, those tough rejections for people? I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this that are in that sales world. And I think I like to gain people's perspectives on that because I don't think there's any one way to do anything. And obviously I can tell you don't either because you would, (laughs) would hire robots and not people to do what they're good at. Right. So absolutely. um, Absolutely. How, what is your best way to handle rejection or maybe, you know, not I guess the rejection, but those tough calls and you're just not getting through. Sure. Well, I learned about adversity as a young man and, um, you know what? My, my thought process on that is life is, is too short to sweat the small stuff. Yeah. So the ones that, you know, just because you have somebody interested in buying something doesn't mean that they're going to be a good customer. Right. And in some of our businesses that we have the car dealership as well as uh, the insurance business, uh, we've got the luxury to um, kind of pick and choose our customers. If somebody comes in and they're just off the wall, we, we just we just tell them, we say, you know what? I don't know. know There's going to be a good fit for you Yeah. because, and the reason is because we have a sincere interest in that person. We want to help that person. And 
If things go the way we hope they'll go, they're going to be a lifelong customer. They're going to keep coming back, repeat, repeat. For sure. But if you have a customer that's just killing you, it's, it's, um, it just throws a a wrench in the whole thing. So, so, um, uh, I guess my answer to that would be is you're not going to win them all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's funny because, you know, obviously you're, I've always been preached to like business is different everywhere you go. Right. And when I worked for Fastenal, it was a massive corporation. Mm-hmm. They're all over. Um, you would go to headquarters in Winona and they would be like, Hey, you know, business is different everywhere. And, you know, don't laugh about how anybody does anything. But the first thing I learned when I moved here and it was my first time living in a major Metro is not be afraid to fire a customer. Yeah. And that was such a wild thing to me. And I struggled with that for a long time, but it really has helped me because there's so many opportunities here. Yes. No matter what you're selling, there's so many more doors to pull on. Yes. And if somebody's going to be an asshole, sometimes you just got to let them be an asshole for the next guy. Yeah. And so that is um, one of the biggest things that I think I wish, I mean, all salespeople had time to, work in major metros because you are going to come across every different character of buy, right? Whatever of who you're talking to every different customer, you're going to meet them here. And it's such a, it's been so helpful for me because it just, it helps you as a person grow, right? Like continue to grow. So I think that's an interesting thing that, yeah, I'm definitely into now, but you know, growing up in the Midwest, it was kind of always like, well, the customer's always right. I know. And, you know, like that was kind of the thing always preached and do whatever yeah. you can to keep the customer Absolutely. happy. And out here, it was like, screw them, get rid of them. Absolutely. We don't need their business. Yeah. You, the, you, we don't have enough time in the day to be tripping over people that just really are not customers. Mm-hmm. And you really have to, it has to be a two-way street. We talk about earlier, we talked about team and, and having a, having a working together. Yeah. And I'm going to wrap that back into your, um, putting the, the, pushing the shopping cart and putting it away. Um, in the, in the, um, scheme of humanity and the scheme of, um, our fellow man and our, our neighboring Arizonans. Yeah. If you're going to be a team, then you should be considerate to other people. Correct. You should, should, should work the whole way through. So I think that really applies in this whole conversation where we're going with that. And, and, and it gives you more time to focus on the true customers, the ones that want to participate. Right. Absolutely. Um, inside your different ventures, um, so you have the car dealership. What are you active in right now? I guess let's like, um, at, right now is the, uh, car dealership, the tow truck business and the, um, insurance general agency. And then soon to be the brewery and as soon well. to be the brewery. Okay. Yeah. And so those are all, I mean, I guess insurance ties into everything, right. And the tow truck and the, the, uh, car dealership mm-hmm. are obviously tied together. Mm-hmm. So as you go into this brewery Mm -hmm. and I know I've talked about the marketplace a little bit. This is going to be like a little bit of a different journey, I'm sure. And you're probably going to have to navigate things differently. And your answer is probably, well, we're going to hire the right people that have their strengths, but what are your concerns? Maybe bringing this here, right? There's, there's, we're a major market. There's a lot of breweries here, right? So there's a lot of competition in that marketplace. So what's that look like as you're coming into a new venture in a new marketplace in a new area, essentially? Yeah. It's scary. Uh, scary. Yeah. And, um, uh, and the reason being is out of my, uh, out of the 14 businesses I've had, they've all been, um, 
at different levels of success, but they've all been successful with the exception of one, which was a restaurant um, just up the street here okay. on 48th Street and um, on Indian School, 48th Street and Indian School. It's not there anymore. The building's still there. I think it's another restaurant now. But um, I was involved in that. And that was uh, for, oh, seven, eight years. And it just never, it just was, str- things were coming in the front door and going out the back door. There was, it, you cannot keep, <clears throat> keep a handle on it. Right. It is just, unless you are their owner operator standing behind the bar or whatever, it is very difficult to watch that type of a, a, a organization. Sure. Um, and so with that under my belt, as I left there, I said, I will never get into this type of business again. Um, time um, heals all wounds, I guess. Or maybe I'm just not as smart as, <laughs> as I'd like to think I am at times. Yeah, I'm definitely not the smartest guy out there. But um, the brewery just seems to fit. Um, I've got a great, great connection with this family, with yeah. the person. Um, I know what they want. I know who they are as people. Right. Um, it is a, um, he's got family that's going to help and he is an owner operator. He's going to be there brewing. He's going to bring in people to assist him. Sure. It's not going to be an absentee or he's not a partier where he's going to be taking off and, um, leaving the, the shop. Right. We've done a lot of, um, uh, demographics, um, and reporting yep. on the area and something I've found we've been to. Oh, dozens and dozens of breweries um, in different states as well as in Arizona to get um, an idea of what they're doing. And I found unlike it's a refreshing, but unlike a lot of businesses, the brewery industry, at least the microbrewery, even some of the larger ones uh, here in town are um, they are in a family of their own. Right. If they uh, if somebody's low on wheat or barley or whatever, they're saying, hey, come on over. I'll let you borrow it. Really? Um, they uh, it's good to be next door to two or three breweries, believe sure. it or not. It's unlike a, a different type of industry because everyone has their own unique beer, their own product. Right. I don't know about the food. I still haven't have not yet gone to breweries to go to have their food yeah i mean you have it because you're hungry but it's not like that's the destination is the food correct so it's typical bar food but but the beers are different they're unique and uh they're different yeah. and um and so you could uh it's very common to have somebody um do the little road trip where they say hey let's stop at this one we'll have a few beers then well, let's go to this none and let's sure. walk over to the third one absolutely and all three of them share in the um experience and in the profits so it's it's just a different <clears throat> venue, and I'm I'm intrigued with it. I'm not sure what's going to happen on that. The other thing too, I want to tell you is this business. I will not be as actively involved. Sure, I'm going to be more on the financing side and um, consulting. Sure, but I won't be there on the day to day as much. It's um um I'm just I'm my I'm so stretched for time right now. Right. But, yeah. And what do you have a location picked here yet? We don't. Okay. And a lot of that's because of the personal needs of their family. Sure. There's a uh, um, uh, senior in high school and a freshman in high school or the two boys. Yeah. And then the daughter, the 11 year old aut- nonverbal autistic daughter, she is um, um, she's going to have special needs. Sure. And she's going to have to go to special or um, schooling. Yep. Um, designed for that. Yep. 
And uh, and then they've got to be able to find some place that's um, affordable to live. Yeah. And you put all those together, and then you've got to find a location for a brewery that fits where they're where at. That's going to be and where they're at. And so yeah. so we've really um, we've really designed a lot of the other pieces ahead of time. Yeah. In preparation for this, so we can hopefully move a little little quicker when they get here that's really neat of you to do it that way um one thing so the restaurant business so a little background of my life my dad owned a restaurant until uh well all the way through i till i graduated high school now he works in sales for a, a company that owns a bunch of john deere dealerships okay and uh my uncle works for them as well and uh but their parents owned a restaurant mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure my grandpa's dad owned a restaurant or something along those. So anyways, restaurants have been in the family, right? That's been kind of like a a line, a lineage there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my dad had his hardships in that industry and he was really strong willed on staying as a family restaurant. That was something really important to him. And right across the street went in uh, a bar, right? And so then, and it's a small town, my hometown's 10,000 people. And the bar was on the lake and my dad was across the street from the lake and all those things factor in and right. You know, they're road construction a couple of times in a small town. People just get used to going past. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So all those things factor in, but I will say that is definitely probably the hardest market space. It appears from the outside. Why do you think that that marketplace is so hard to be successful at because there is a million of everything, right? You have a car dealership. There's a million car dealerships as well. And you, you know, you, you said there's some problems there, but what do you think that is? Cause that's the first thing my dad, I, when I had him on, I asked him, it's like, you know, do you miss it? He's like, yeah, I do, but I don't miss having to be tied to it. Absolutely. And why do you think that that's, I feel like that's the one business in the world where it can't just run itself. It, I, I agree. It, it can't. And that was part of the problem with the restaurant that I was involved in. With um, They have great people or had great people running it with them, but um, no one runs it and watches it the same. Right. And when I've, even just a few people are saying, here, that's on me. Or, you know, it, it, everyone likes to do that and kind of takes the liberty of doing that. They feel ownership maybe. And right. so they say, here, take these. Take. But when you got 20 people going, here, take these and all, it really affects what happens there. Yeah. Um, it definitely needs to be, um, that type of business is tough. Uh, I think you have to be, in my opinion, um, right or wrong, I think you have to offer something that's different. Yeah. It could be location. It could be the food. It could be the culture. It could be um, uh, um, the service. I mean, I don't know that people are going to keep coming to you if you got the best service, if your food's not good. So right. you got to be in the mix of all that, but you've got to be real attentive to all those areas. And, um, and, and being such a clicky business, you, you can be on top of the world one, one year and the next year, nobody's coming in anymore. Right. Um, you just have to be really attuned to that. Um, we feel that, um, uh, with, with the with the restaurant I had before, it had a kids section, uh, and that was kind of unique at the time, where you could come in and bring your kids. Sure, and um, on, and they could <laughs> play on one side, and the parents could have beer on the other side, and you know it's like a Dave and Buster's culture sure. type thing. But before then, uh, and I don't know the timing on Dave and Buster's, they might have. I'm not saying we invented that that um, 
design. They may have been around a lot longer, but I didn't, I wasn't aware of them at the time, but for listeners, they can say, oh, I know Dave and Buster. Yeah, yeah. I get that concept. So that was good. Our food quality, we wanted to be top notch. And so we brought in a really good chef and uh, cooked fa- <clears throat> fantastic food. The problem was that everyone, there were two main problems. One, everyone would come to the restaurant and eat yeah, because the food was so good. And then they'd go out and drink somewhere else. And the profits are in the booze. Right. So that killed us. We had a park. Uh, uh, another thing was our parking was there, it was so you had to have valet to get more than 10 cars in the place, it seemed like. So um, that was a constant struggle. And people kind of didn't want to maybe come in because of that yeah. as well. But um, uh, and then the, the third thing is we were in the Arcadia area. And a lot of people, um, I'll give you an example. You might have a, a husband, um, he's going out to have beers with his couple of buddies. Yep. And all of a sudden, here comes his wife's best friend, the neighbors, and they're sitting there doing the same thing. And then yep. you're kind of like, oh, so not that they were doing anything <laughs> right. wrong. Right. But it was kind of like, oh, I almost feel like I'm being babysat here. Everyone's watching my every move. Right. And so, uh, and so those were flaws in the design. As I look back, it's easier to look back and say, oh, sure. What made that? Cause I, and I, cause I've beat myself several times thinking, why couldn't that have been successful? What was the problem? Right. But I think I've narrowed it down to those, to those points really. And so now as you're going into the brewery, are, are those kind of some things on the back end? That you're looking at, I mean, in a in the general spec, right? Like, yeah. like the parking, right? Like you yeah. said. So, like, and obviously that'll probably factor into your location, right? So, yeah. Yeah. what what is? I mean, I guess I answered my own question, but how do you? Because you're going to have somebody else run this, yeah. right? And you're just going to be on the back end, yeah. So, how do you take the knowledge you have yeah. of this area, right? And his knowledge of running that business yeah. and how do you merge them together and pop? Yeah, there you go. Well, to clarify that again, he is really the, um, on this design, I'm going to be more the person financing. Right. Yeah. He's got the skills, the ability to be able to do it. And, um, and his wife, what he lacks in, um, not in smarts, but what he lacks in what he wants to do. Right. His wife is good at that. She's okay. great at all the ordering, the clerical, the, sure. the, you know, the, 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 making sure they're profitable, the books. Yep. She's good at that end. And, um, they have, um, with their daughter, um, they've got a ready-made, um, opportunity for her to find a place in this world yeah. to be able to help out and do things. Sure. And, um, she doesn't communicate well, but she's smart as a whip and, yeah. and um, she understands things. So, um, uh, and then there's a lot of family that they have that are, um, very vested in their success sure. and wanting to be successful. And if you met him, he's just a hell of a guy too. You'd, you'd, um, you'd be like, you just want to hang with them. Right. He's just a good guy. Yeah. And then he is a self-taught, um, I guess you could call it that. A lot of us are self-taught at things. It <laughs> doesn't mean we're good, but yeah. in this case, he's very good. He's a chef. Okay. And um, loves to cook, loves, I mean, with a passion. Those are his two favorite things. Yeah. And, you know, after years of um, disarming bombs and getting shot at, uh, 
he just he's got his soda's oats maybe yeah he wants normal right and he wants to just have a successful business and have people that he can make his product for and have them enjoy it and i think just all the pieces fit it wasn't something i had planned right i thought hey this is something i think going into that too not with the um idea of hey i've got to get something successful i need to make this thing work well i'm committed to making it work but but i'm i'm not motivated that direction i'm more vote motivated in let's help this guy and help his family sure and make him successful and what a what a gift at the end absolutely for me that is yeah it comes full circle to serving people right yeah very neat um well i very much appreciate your time down sure and as we get to winding up uh I like to ask people for advice to somebody listening. So there's somebody out there going through something tough, right? So what advice would you give to somebody who is, is maybe, let's just say, you know, having a hard time pushing through or, or they're kind of, you know, searching for that, looking for a life that they don't want to retire from. What advice as somebody who's built that life for themselves what advice would you give to that person yeah well i thank you for your uh trust in me and um yeah (laughs) to to be able to give my opinion and remember for the listeners this is just my opinion (laughs) (laughs) disclaimer (laughs) disclaimer yeah Yeah. well actually not even a disclaimer i'll take responsibility (laughs) for it but, but i but um uh but who knows it may not fit everyone's situation is so different absolutely um I, I, if I liken it to myself, which, which would be in that place, somebody that's out there struggling, that's looking for that. First of all, I think, um, you got to find a combination of a couple of things. I think one of them is you have to find something that you like and that you're passionate about. I know so many people in the corporate world that just hate what they're doing and they're stuck because they've created a lifestyle that's, um, that, that uh, goes hand in hand with their income. Yep. And if they quit that income, they have to change their lifestyle and they've got kids involved and families and sporting events and all kinds of things. They've, they've really hammered themselves deep. Yep. Um, so getting something that you like is that you'll love and have a passion that that's ideal. Now my suggestions here again are not necessarily Maybe somebody is going to say, well, that's great, Dan, but that's really not reasonable. Well, maybe that's, maybe it's a little bit on the wish list. Yeah. Okay. So take the best of these. If you can also find a job that pays decent and or has decent benefits, those are all important. Those are things, whether the benefits come with the business or you get them on your own, it still costs money. Right. So um, having a, a business or working in a business that you can control your income. So for those go-getters that want to work harder. Yeah, they're be they're able to get rewarded. Absolutely. Versus somebody who just um, puts in the time, the overtime and says, hey, my boss never even notices I'm doing all this extra stuff that that just tears you up again. Then you're in a job again that you don't like. Right. Yeah. So. um, So I guess those would probably be the two main things. Yeah. And and just keep going because you got to have your self-worth. You got to realize in yourself, hey, I'm a good person. Right. And and make it happen. I mean. I mean, it can happen for anyone. Absolutely, it can. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate it. I think that's great advice for people listening. And sometimes it just, you just have to hear somebody else say it. And you've been telling yourself it all along, right? But you just sometimes got to have somebody else tell it to you. And you're like, okay, then that's it. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you so much. Absolutely. Yes. You too. Thank you, everyone, for listening at home. Please like, comment, share, subscribe, unsubscribe, rate five stars, all that fun stuff. Be good, everybody.